Let you guys be seated. Wasn't that wonderful? Taylor, that was awesome. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I felt that, uh, as we call it, the manifested presence. As soon as she, soon as she cranked off to, right from the start. I love that. I love God's. God likes it. He, he put his kiss on it. Amen. I may know God heard our cry. I, uh, I, you know, God bless all you guys. Thank you for, uh, Johanna gave me the list and I left it down there. I, I won't take time to read uh, all the names. A, a long list of you guys came out to the church. Uh, some of you have come two different times. Uh, yesterday was a big day. And thank you. This Man, what can we say? It's just so, so wonderful. I thank Pastor Johanna myself for uh, her just heading everything up and keeping this thing going. Uh, allowed me to focus on on my house and trying to get it tarped up and and stuff. Uh, Ron and Wendy looked like to me suffered the biggest uh, devastation of any of our uh, members, and our heart goes out to them. And even though that he was here yesterday uh, working, and uh, his house really took a hard. Uh, he, I was amazed when I saw those pictures. I had talked to him, of course, and and uh, but when I saw the pictures, it was worse than than it sounded in our conversation. Well, we had a couple of big oaks uh, that came and uh, went on top of our house. It was uh, frightening, uh, but uh, we're here. Praise God. And our church, amen. Our church is uh, taking, a, uh, taking a hit, of course. And uh, some people thought we weren't going to have ser service today. Obviously, we are. And uh, we'll have it again next Sunday. And uh, we'll be here Wednesday night for our uh, Wednesday night service, and uh, so that's entirely appropriate, uh, yeah. Okay, so come, come at 6.30 then, right? Okay, great, uh, wonderful. So, uh, so you guys come at 6.30, we'll, we'll eat together, and then we'll come in here like we do on the first Wednesday of each month, and we'll do our uh, questions, response, and, and uh, just be together. And I, I agree with Pastor Hon, it's, it's very important that we stay together. I was actually supposed to be preaching in Texas right now, this morning, and uh, we were to be out there, uh, we were to leave last Friday and, and be with her dad and family, and... Uh, and, of course, we didn't make that. And uh, so I called the pastor from Texas yesterday and said, Brother, I, I won't be coming. And uh, so he, he, of course, understands. In fact, he told me he used to live down below Ocala, so he says, I know the drill. And uh, so he said, the, the Lord obviously got it planned for another time, so we'll do it another time. So anyway, uh, and, of course, by me having plans to be out of, uh, out of uh, the state, uh, I had asked my son, uh, my spiritual son, uh, Apostle Calloway, to, to, uh, to do as he does so well, to minister uh, the gospel. And I know it's weird for a preacher. I've gone through this, been preaching 42 years. It's kind of weird, you know, when you go through situations, crisis, uh, towers are bombed, and all that kind of stuff that happens, and you still have to come to the pulpit kind of puts you in a precarious situation sometimes because the people's minds is, is uh, you know, and rightly so on other things. I've seen some wonderful things in our community since this has hit uh, Valdosta so hard, and other places have gotten it as well. Um, but um, 
it's probably one of the toughest times for Lowndes County and, and Valdosta area uh, in many, many years. And I've seen wonderful people reaching out to one another, and then I've seen vultures and people that come in to take advantage of people. And so, uh, but I've never experienced quite that firsthand like we've uh, gotten to do. And, and uh, price gouging and some of that stuff that goes on is really sad. Uh, but, but I just try to focus on the ones that are reaching out and doing good uh, for people, their neighbors, and stuff like that. And I sure had some people help me out. You couldn't even find a tarp. Nobody had, you know, so many things. You know that. You went through it you, you, yourself, you know, like, call, do you have a tarp? No. Do you have a generator? No. <laughs> do you have bottled water? No. <laughs> you know, that kind of deal. But just so we don't feel like we're the only person that's ever endured things, I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm not going to preach. Uh, our apostle's going to come. I'm going to read just this. It, uh, apostle Paul in Second uh, Corinthians 11, just jumping in the middle of it. Uh, he says, in journeys often, uh, this is what he's experienced. Uh, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, and in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness, often in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern of all the churches, who is weak and I am not weak, who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation. Uh, he goes on to say that he three times was a day and night, in, uh, three times he was shipwrecked, three times. You know, it's bad if you went through one shipwreck. You could say, boy, I had a tough time. He went through three of them. And then in one of them, he said he spent a day and a night in the open sea. Uh, I'd say he has it worse than me. <laughs> How many agree with that? And uh, that's that great apostle Paul that wrote most of this epistles of the New Testament. And uh, so don't feel like we're the only ones that face trouble. Uh, because this is not heaven yet. Amen? And God didn't blow no wind to destroy nothing. Uh, and he's not behind destruction of any kind, even material uh, things. Uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And uh, we've all had some things in the past few days got destroyed, probably. Uh, but just know your papa wasn't behind. He wasn't the one blowing the wind. And, uh, and yes, I, you know, and I was on my front porch rebuking it, just like I probably know you were. And, uh, and I was claiming absolutely no damage. And it discourages you when you feel your house shake. <laughs> But there was no damage to me and my little precious wife, other than her nerves. And uh, but see, she's married to a 20-year paramedic, so emergencies is right up my alley. Ain't it right, girl? And um, but anyway, it was frightening, and I don't like to see her frightened to that degree. But it doesn't matter. Uh, God's going to bring us through it. I was talking to Ron. I said we're going to get through this, and with God's help and grace, and I'm looking for favor. And like he was saying, all this stuff is new. It's kind of like hurry up and wait. Now we got the house tarped. Come on, insurance people. Where are y'all at? And uh, it was kind of ironic. I went for days, couldn't contact my insurance people because they don't have no electricity. <laughs> I'm like, y'all need to get a generator because this is when we need to get a hold of you, <laughs> you know, when, the, when this kind of stuff happens. But uh, Apostle Galloway, I'm so glad you're here. And uh, I would never counsel on any speaker I had previously scheduled uh, to speak. I think that's uh, not etiquette and not appropriate. 
and uh, and I have the honor to get to uh, see him uh, in the in person. I'm usually gone when he's in the pulpit, and I, he he knows I love him so much, and so thankful to uh, to have him minister here at uh, at Grace Point this morning. Would y'all welcome him as you always do, Pastor Callaway? <laughs> Good morning, and God bless you. If you would just remain seated, remain standing, I'm sorry, remain standing for just a moment um, as we um, read the word of the Lord. And thank you all for your presence today um, here in the house of the Lord. And I so appreciate um, Pastor for his uh, words of exhortation and comfort that provides us strength and courage in the days ahead. I want us to go to um, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 43 through 49. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 43 through 49. And the word of the Lord reads, it says, the day following... Jesus would go forth into Galilee and found Philip and said unto him, follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said unto him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael come unto him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, From where do you know me? Jesus answered and said unto him, before, Philip called, before that Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And I want to entitle this message today, I, I believe that Jesus would say to us today, I know you as I see you. I know you as I see you. And Father... We thank you for the word of your grace, ministering grace unto the heroes. Thank you for strengthening us, fortifying us, and equipping us for the days to come. We bless you for this time to minister to your people the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say it. You may be seated. May the Lord bless you. Um, again, I'm so grateful for pastor's words of exhortation and encouragement um, on today as we um, recalibrate our lives and, and regain some type of uh, normalcy. How many of y'all were blessed by Kayla's dance today? For those of you who don't know her, that is my youngest daughter. So, so proud of her. I know you as 
I see you. The word know can be defined as to ascertain by seeing. The term in our text, it suggests intimacy by observation, care, recognition, designation, instruction, consideration. For the Lord to know us, it means that he understands us completely. He knows our makeup. And there is an active relationship between the one who knows and the object that is known. It is to pay attention and be acquainted with. You know, whenever we studied the life of Jesus and his choosing of his disciples, we'll learn in today's message in a broader context that Jesus is choosing men of very diverse vocational, educational, and social economic backgrounds. And this is because it takes all kinds of men to reach all kinds of men, to help gain the right perspective on God and themselves in, in their relation to God. And we notice that Jesus did not choose any of his disciples from the religious community. But he chose them from the marketplace because with these men not having previous religious backgrounds predominantly, he would be more successful in relationship building with them as he discipled them through his teaching. You know, relationship building is when two or more people regard and behave toward each other in a particular way based on a divine connection and having spiritual involvement and spiritual engagement with one another. And it's not based on preferences and prejudices, but the relationship is based on the principles that Jesus taught that were universal in scope that all men could understand and do. Building relationships with men and women from all walks of life is the most important priority that we have as believers in Christ Jesus and as a spiritual congregation because we represent Christ not just in person, but we represent Christ in principle. And as long as relationship building remains our focus, success is always guaranteed as we do ministry. And you notice that Jesus never ministered to a person's need until he acquired some type of relationship and acquaintance with them. Jesus has now chosen five disciples, four were fishermen. We have Simon and Andrew, he saw them at the time they were casting their nets. And he told them that just as they were casting the net indiscriminately, pulling in whatever they would find, that they would also be able to catch me in the same way. And then he had chosen James and John, and at the time he found them, they were mending their nets. 
which means to repair and keep strong and secure so the fish wouldn't slip out the net. And Jesus let them know that they would have a ministry to repair thoroughly, keep strong and secure the truth that he had taught them to restore men to a place of wholeness and brokenness so they will not slip out of the mindset that they're not loved by the Lord. And then he found Matthew sitting at the seat of custom. And remember, Matthew left all, rose up, and followed Jesus. Now, now that scripture doesn't sound right. You would think that Matthew would have left all, rose up, and followed Jesus. But the scripture says he left all before he rose up. So in his spirit and mind, there had to be a separation from what he was in order for him to become what Jesus wanted him to be. And remember, Matthew had the banquet at his house and invited all of his friends to come. And when Jesus ministered to them, so Matthew had the skill of management and hospitality. So in, in Mark chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, it says that Jesus was on a mountain and he called unto them whom he would and they came unto him. Scholars say it may have been between 50 and 100 uh, men and women that Jesus called on that mountain. But verse 14 of Mark 3 says that he ordained 12 for two purposes, that they might be with him. That's relationship. And secondly, that he might send them forth to preach. You can't preach about somebody you don't have a relationship with. You, you can't proclaim their truth until you spend time with them for them to impart into you that truth. And so relationship is first and then ministry is second. Now, here in this text in John chapter 1, we now see that Jesus is going to choose two more disciples that will become a part of his leadership team. He's already chosen five, um, James and John, Peter and Andrew, and Matthew. But now he's going to choose two more disciples, Philip and Bartholomew, that are going to bring abilities to this inner circle that the other five don't possess. And here in verse 43 and 44 it says, The day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and they found Philip and said unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was a Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Now if you look in the back of your maps, you see how um, ancient Palestine was situated. You had Galilee in the north, you had Samaria in the central part of Palestine, and then you had Judea in the south. Galilee was the northern part of ancient Palestine, which was remote and primitive, where the blue-collar, working-class, uneducated, less-refined, cultured and men were, as opposed to Judea, the southern part of ancient, of ancient Palestine, where the white-collar, educated, religious elite and aristocracy resided. Jesus passed by Judea, 
that type of climate that was opposing and contentious to him and his ministry, and he entered into Galilee where he would be received. And the word Galilee in Greek means circuit or to make rounds, where there were about 20 cities where Jesus would travel to preach, teach, and heal, and he would not be confined to religious tradition if he would have been in Judea. And so in his pursuit, he found Philip, which meant that Philip was being pursued. Jesus pursued him and sought after him. And Philip's name is derived from the Greek word philos, which means love or to be loved. And since the Lord loves you, he will always find you. Not, not that you're lost, but he pursues after you so a relationship can be ensued between you and him. See, the Lord will always initiate. He will always make the first move. And it doesn't matter how he finds you. What counts is that he loves you and that he will help you to become what you were born to be. And he said unto Philip, follow me. In other words, walk by my side, accompany me, conform to my principles, be my disciple, attend to my movements, tread in my steps. Be my student, my learner, my protege, my mentee, my understudy, my apprentice, my pupil of my teaching about who God is and who you are in relationship to God. He said, now, Philip, I found you because you already belong to me. Not only can I help you, but you can help me. You have gifts, you have talents, you have abilities that God the Father has invested in you. And one of the reasons why Jesus found Philip is because Philip knew the territory of Galilee and he knew the people of Galilee. So Jesus had to let Philip know, he said, now I discovered you not because you were hid from me, but you were hid for me. You've been on my radar from eternity. We had to meet physically in time. And John tells us that Philip was from Bethsaida, the same town that Peter and Andrew was from. And Bethsaida means house of fish or house of nets. It was actually a fishing suburb in Capernaum that was only six miles in distance. So Philip, Andrew, and Peter, these three men could have been well acquainted with each other had they been born and lived in the same city. But you have to remember that Bethsaida was a city that would be judged by Jesus later in his ministry where he would do mighty works there but they would not change their mindset or their way of thinking concerning who God actually was and who God was not all through Jesus. And Jesus identified Bethsaida as a wicked place simply because of its religious evil. And Jesus would choose three disciples out of this city as an indictment against the city. Now look with me to verse 45 and 46. 
It says, Philip found Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. Now, as Philip would receive tutelage from the mouth of Jesus and training from the example of Jesus, he holds a concern in his heart for Nathaniel, who was obviously a friend of his. And I believe that when your life is being transformed by the person and principles of Jesus, learning what to do by his teaching, and how to do it by his training, you will carry in your heart a desire for your friends, family, and those close to you to experience spiritual change, development, and evolution just like you. You want to get them in the presence of Jesus, who is the change agent with no religious interference. And that's why Jesus was in the right regional area to launch his earthly ministry in Galilee because Galilee was uh, racially diverse. It was conducive for business and commerce. And there are scholars that say that they were, there were over three million people that were living in the region of Galilee at that time. And in comparison to Judea, Judea was a religious stronghold, steep in tradition and customs and man-made teachings that was not conducive for spiritual freedom. So Philip found Nathaniel just as Jesus found him. And I would be inclined to believe that Jesus gave Philip permission to find Nathaniel because disciples make disciples. And Nathaniel was from Cana in Galilee where Jesus performed his first miracle, only five miles from Nazareth, where Jesus was reared, with Nathaniel not really being aware of who Jesus was. And Nathaniel is actually the same disciple, Bartholomew. And Bartholomew, his name means to blaze a trail as with the plow. Can I tell you? God wants men and women who are not looking for a trail that's been blazed that they can follow by religion. But God wants us to be trailblazers in territories where others have not tread. Sharing the message of grace and love and inclusion and the kingdom. And Philip let Nathaniel know the scriptures have manifested themselves before my very eyes because this is the Messiah. In other words, what I have read is what I see revealed. And that's what the Lord wants for us today, that what we have read about Jesus is what we need to see revealed about Jesus. Because Jesus said in John 5 and 46 that Moses had wrote of him. Uh, Philip went on to tell Nathaniel, he's the anointed one. He's, he's, incar he's God incarnate in the flesh. He's been enabled to perform his task, 
having been rubbed and smeared and painted and perfumed with divinity to fulfill the will of God as humanity. And the scriptures give proof that Moses, the great lawgiver, and the prophets, who have already spoken forth the mind and counsel of God concerning a redeemer. Now, when a person is anointed, it means that they have been made ready and usable as a person or object for the reception of the glory and intention of God. The fact that we have been anointed, we have been received by God, and we are to fulfill the intention of God in the earth. When we've been anointed, it means that we have been given a load or something that has been put upon us that allow us to bear whatever is coming our way. And just like what we've experienced this past week, we yet have an anointing on us. We've been given a load put on us that gives us the ability and the capacity to bear whatever has come our way. And so Philip goes on to share with Nathaniel that Jesus has met the criterion of the word of God because he is the word of God. So the question arises, how would Philip know what the scripture says concerning Jesus and that meeting Jesus is the fulfillment of the scriptures that gives him the assurance that the law and the prophets is brought to closure through his love, grace, mercy, compassion, and forgiveness unless Philip has studied the scriptures for himself. Now I'm going somewhere. Y'all hang tight with me for a minute. You can't see the word manifested unless you have the word memorized. Alright, let me press stop, rewind, and play again. You can't see the word manifested unless you have the word memorized. You know why? So you'll know what to look for. That's why Philip was able to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. So now, Jesus would choose two men who are intellectual thinkers. Men that are studious, well-versed in the scriptures, well-read, inquisitive, who are into scholarship and academia. Philip and Nathaniel need their intellect to be challenged and expanded beyond what they have read and what they know. Okay, think about this. James and John were mending disciples. Andrew and Peter were casting disciples. Matthew was a hospitable disciple. But Philip and Nathaniel would be thinking disciples. It takes all kinds to reach all kinds. So, so now Philip and Nathaniel are getting into a scriptural discussion. And so Nathaniel wants to track history to make sure that Jesus is who Philip says he is according to what's been spoken and written concerning him. 
You know how it is when you witness to people, when you minister to people and you tell them about who Christ is. There are some people, they want a academic and they want a theological explanation. They say, well, you know, I read this, but they need an experience of Jesus being revealed to them and not just what they read about him. But there was one thing that Philip erred in. There was just one little minor infraction he made. He said that Jesus is of Nazareth. Jesus was not of Nazareth, according to the scripture, but he was of Bethlehem of Judea, according to the prophet Micah, chapter 2, verse 6. Now, we know, you know, concerning the prophecy, when Joseph went into Nazareth, he would be called a Nazarene. But to make, to make the distinction, Nazareth was his rearing place, not his birthing place. Jesus spent 10 years in Egypt with Joseph and Mary from age 2 to 12, and they entered into Nazareth. So Hosea chapter 11, verse 1 would be fulfilled where the Lord said, out of Egypt have I called my son. And Jesus is not the son of Joseph. He is the son of God. So Nathaniel, having grew up in Cana, over only six miles from Nazareth, he knew the reputation of the people. He was baffled because of perhaps Philip's scriptural error. He didn't respond negatively toward Jesus, but he knew about Nazareth. He knew that Nazareth was a partly uninhabited place, a ruinous place, a contentious place, a very antiquated place, a reproach place, an ill-reputed place, not in the flow with Judea and the religious elite out of Jerusalem. It was it excluded from the religious mainstream. But isn't it good to know that Jesus would be found in places that people would never think he would be? And, of course, the ancient Jews, they didn't connect Nazareth with this prophecy. That's why Nathaniel asked the infamous question. Can there be anything good come out of Nazareth? And that's why it's important that we cannot be guilty of giving people false information about Jesus because it would create false beliefs about Jesus. Philip said, come and see. Jesus is in Capernaum. One thing that Philip did not say, and I'm glad he did not say, go see for yourself and let me know what you think. <laughs> he said, join me as I introduce you to Jesus himself. If you don't believe me, don't take my word for it, but come and experience who Jesus is for yourself. And remember, you can't expect people to respond like you respond because it's not their experience. They have to have their own. He said, and we have to know that it's okay if people are cynical, if they're doubtful, if they're skeptical, if they're critical, if they misjudge, if they talk out of hurt of a bad church or religious experience, it's okay. Because when they meet Jesus, all of that is going to change. 
Because what will be revealed about Jesus will transcend all that they have read about Jesus. Because you don't have to prove the truth. The truth will prove itself. And Philip had the scriptures as his support. But Nathaniel was still skeptical. But the word will come alive in him as he meets the word. You know, and we have to understand, I've been amazed at how much the culture has changed just in the past 10 years, maybe five. We have to understand that people, when it comes to faith and understanding who Christ is, people aren't moved by feelings and emotions alone anymore. People want to be challenged in their thinking about God and themselves in a spiritual context. Now, feelings are important. We all have them. But it is our focus that determines our feelings. Being a thinker makes you just as spiritual as being a feeler. Because Paul said, with my mind, Romans 7, 25, he said, with my mind, I serve the law of God. We are forever evolving from being, just be, from being a feeling church to being a thinking church. Because if you were like me, many of us, we were raised in churches that you were not taught to think for yourself. That whatever the preacher told you, that's what you rolled with and you dare not ask any questions. And so God is moving us from a feeling church to a thinking church because if your thinking isn't correct, your feelings won't be correct. You know, you can feel the wrong way because you think the wrong way because you've been taught the wrong way. And so once you begin to receive the truth of the gospel, you have to tell your feelings how to feel by correct thinking. Thoughts are creative and inventive. They're like magnets. They attract what we imagine. Philip said, listen, Nate, I will go with you and show you who Jesus is. Just don't take my word for it alone. All right, look at verses 47 and 48. It says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, from where do you know me? Jesus answered and said unto him, before that Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, one thing I, I like about Nathaniel, he kind of he reminded me of myself. He couldn't be easily led. <laughs> he wasn't the type of man to tell him anything and he would just believe it. Philip wasn't really given an opportunity to formally introduce Nathaniel to Jesus. Jesus just took the initiative and wanted Nathaniel to know, listen, I already know you as I see you. I know everything about you, but here's the kicker. Nathaniel, what I do know about you, I like it and I love it. I'm going to show you why. I'm sure that Nathaniel trusted and appreciated Philip's experience, but he had to have one of his own. And that's the kind of man Jesus could use. A man that is not easily led, 
not naive, not gullible, not believe anything someone tells them, no hypocrite, completely honest and transparent, and is ready to follow whatever and wherever truth might lead him. And Jesus loved that quality in him. Look at how Jesus addressed him. He, he, he told Philip, he said, look, pay attention. I'm calling to attention what's already been seen or mentally apprehended in, in eternity. He looks with interest and purpose, usually indicating careful observation of, of details. Jesus said, an Israelite indeed. Now you notice that. When Jesus chose all his disciples, he never identified any of them as Israelites except Nathaniel. He never made that distinction. You know why? Because Nathaniel is a spiritual descendant of Israel, formerly known as Jacob. Not just physically, but he has the spiritual quality to want to see the scriptures fulfilled in his life. So with Nathaniel is not just religious with him. He wants to experience a new dimension of spirituality, divinity, humanity, and truth. Jesus said that he's not just an Israelite, but that he is an Israelite indeed. Without a doubt, for certain. And Jesus said he has no guile. That there is nothing deceitful about him. His intentions are pure and unadulterated. No evil in his heart. Nathaniel is an honest man, not pretentious, not fake, not phony, not counterfeit. This is a man that wants something real. That's why after Philip started following Jesus, after he was found by Jesus, the first man that came to Philip's mind was Nathaniel. And I think we all know some Nathaniels out there. You know, they, they're well-read, they're very studious, they're, they're, they're very intelligent, they're very inquisitive, they want to ask questions, they, they really have a desire for spiritual things. Those are the kind of men and women that we need to be recruiting so they just won't know Jesus on paper, but that they'll know Jesus in presence. They just won't know what they've read but they'll know Jesus as he has been revealed. And I'm glad to know that there are men and women out there that are like that. There was no spirit, even though Nathaniel is a descendant of Jacob, he, don't, he doesn't have the spirit of Jacob. No tricks, no con games, no deception, no exploitation of the naive, baiting them for their own greed and treacherous practices just a real heart to know God you know the Lord knows us better than we know ourselves because he knows us by our spirit Paul said what things what how how do we know a man unless we know the spirit that's that's within him and so Nathaniel responded to Jesus by asking him he said from where do you know me do we know each other? <laughs> Do I know you? You know, it can startle you sometimes when people know you, but you may not necessarily know them. 
or can't recall knowing them. Brother James, I meant to tell you, I met your daughter yesterday. Jennifer, I was in Dollar General, and she saw me. She said, I know you. She said, you preach at Grace Point. I said, yes, I do. And she told me who she was. I said, Jennifer, I am so glad I was behaving myself because I did not want you to give your father a bad report. (laughs) (laughs) So Nathaniel said, how do you know me? In other words, Nathaniel accepted the truthful evaluation that Jesus made of his character. You know, sometimes we have a hard time accepting what the Lord sees in us. But Nathaniel, he he accepted it. He said, how do you, you know, from, from where do you know me? But it was Jesus' discernment that amazed him, surprised him, bewildered him. The word was made flesh, dwelt among him. He beheld the glory of God. He saw Jesus firsthand that was a personification full of grace and full of truth. I feel like every time I say Jesus, all I'm saying is grace. Because Jesus is grace and grace is Jesus. And he let him know, I know you as I see you. In my closing, in Jeremiah 1 and 5, remember what the Lord told the prophet. He said, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, he said, I knew you. But think about this. If God knew us, perhaps we knew him. That word know is a term of intimacy and endearment from eternity. So Jesus was letting Nathaniel know, he said, now listen, I understand you completely. So if God knew us, we knew God. Okay, think, of what, think about what Jesus said. He told, he told Nathaniel, he said, listen, before Philip found you in time, I knew you in eternity. And believe it or not, Nathaniel, you agreed to come to this planet by signing a divine contract to be my disciple and pre-incarnate reality. To exhibit the no-nonsense character that I placed inside of you to show to the world. He said, before Philip found you, he said, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, the fig tree represented a place of privacy, solace, and communion with the scriptures that he anticipated to be fulfilled in his life. Nathaniel was in meditation and prayer and communion with God. Let me tell you about the fig tree. The fig tree was the place where the rabbis would teach their students one-on-one under the shade of those large leaves. Nathaniel was a scholar of sorts. He knew that the Messiah was coming. He just didn't know how, and he just didn't know when. And let me tell you basically what Jesus was telling him. He said, now that you've met me, you don't need the fig tree anymore. Because you can study about Christ 
until he's revealed. But once he's revealed, it changes how you study. I had heard about grace all my life in church. And I studied it and even preached it in a limited fashion. But once grace was revealed, it changed how I studied. See, God, God wants you to read your way into a revelation. And so once you get the revelation, it'll change how you read. See, you are about to experience a revelatory ambush and you don't even know it. God is going to allow you to read your way into the revelation of the grace man that you're reading about. And once that revelation comes, it's going to change everything. Every time you see Jesus, you're going to see grace. Every time you read about Jesus, you're going to see inclusion. Every time you read about Jesus, you're going to see love. Every time you read about Jesus, you're going to see the kingdom. That revelation is going to change everything on how you read. The fig tree was one of the trees in scripture to symbolize the nation of Israel in which Nathaniel represented the godly remnant in the nation who would come into the full blessing of the new covenant by faith in Christ. Because when Jesus was raised from the dead and revealed himself to the disciples in John 21, out on the sea, the Bible says Nathaniel was there. Now, I think the only thing that's missing in some of our lives when we have a very studious character, we need constant leadership in our lives to lead us to the experience that comes with the exposition of the scriptures. Look at how Nathaniel responded, verse 49. He gave Jesus three different designations. He said, number one, you're the rabbi. <laughs> From what I've just experienced, you're the rabbi. You're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. <laughs> he was profoundly impressed, overwhelmed, worn over by Jesus' discernment of his true character and his invitation into discipleship well, he let Jesus know what Jesus already knew. He said, you are the master teacher sent by God himself to teach Israel and all the world about who God is and who we are in relation to God. He said, you are the son of God. You are the human representative of God manifested in flesh. You are a fusion of all of God and all of mankind into one man. 
Remember, the Hebrew writer said that Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. And that happened, he was the firstborn, but not the lastborn. So that the Holy Spirit would produce many sons in union with the Father. Nathaniel's saying, it has been revealed to me that you came from the bosom of the Father in creation and Mary's womb by birth. And then thirdly and finally, you are the king of Israel. That The word Israel means the land where God prevails. You are our divine monarch. You are our one-man rule. You are our sovereign, supreme ruler in the universe. Everything that Nathaniel read, it changed his perspective once Jesus had been revealed. The Lord wants us to get past just reading about Jesus and we tap into the revelation of Jesus. Give God a praise. Amen. Stand with us. What an awesome word. Amen. Uh, as we end here, give me just 60 seconds or, or, or a couple minutes. We got uh, Mary Lee just standing up, uh, born in the house. For those of you that, you know, our, our precious, precious uh, lady, my sweetheart, uh, I remember when, you know, you, most of you have heard her testimony years ago when I first started pastoring here, didn't even know who she was. Uh, God uh, healed her miraculously of, of cancer, uh, colon cancer, and just was instantly healed uh, as we prayed. Uh, God revealed it, in fact, and uh, which has really connected our hearts to one another in a special way. But she's literally been to the point of, uh, to the, you know, to death's door, I guess. We could just say that. That's the truth where she didn't even know she was in the world, and God has brought her so far uh, and delivered her. Um, and I want uh, uh, maybe Pastor Keith, Ivory, I know a lot of my elders are not here, and I understand why. Johanna, would you come? I want to just lay hands and anoint her with oil. I want to pray for her. Karen uh, McArdle is here. Darling, could you come up here? And if you don't feel like standing, well, you can sit in my seat. While we pray for you, I want to pray for you. And Mary Lee, if you get tired, baby, and want to sit, you can sit down. Uh, we just gonna, go ahead and sit down. We're going to pray for you, and, and uh, we'll get the. Um, but, but these two, and then, um, and, and I hope I'm not missing anyone that we, I just want us to pray for these uh, two precious ladies. Karen, c come here, darling. Come sit in my chair. Move, move in. Let you, you okay? Okay, okay, cool. And she has uh, had a, uh, you know, uh, most of y'all just say that's the lady at the soundboard or the <laughs> media center back there. But uh, Karen has really been through, a, just a, we'll just say, a lot of physical challenges for a long time and, uh, and continues. And we, we just want what, and, and that's what we know God wants us. And, and we believe, in, you know, we have a, a God that heals. And, uh, and we've all experienced it. But uh, I want us to, to end the day by praying for these two uh, ladies. And then uh, uh, Mike Hardy, uh, Marta and Mike have really uh, gone through it, and he is in South Georgia Medical Center now, 
and uh, Marta is just a wonderful uh, part of our family here. And uh, and you know, when someone that you love is sick and you're there at the hospital all the time, you're you're you know you need prayer too. And so I want us to uh, uh, pray for the, uh, Mike. And uh, of course, he was to have surgery. Storm delayed that, of course. And and uh, some of you may follow her on Facebook and, and keep up with them like that. But so these three people that I know of are at a really uh, place that need need help. Well, just if we could also include my uncle, we had to put him in ICU, and that's that. okay. I know you got enough on your plate. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the cancer is spreading, so it, prognosis is not good. So okay, you just want to pray. Okay, see, so yeah. Jennifer, how are you doing, babe? Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, uh, just go ahead, Irene Norton and Pastor Keith, and we're going to pray. Uh, let's pray for Karen first. And Heavenly Father, we do what the Scripture says. We anoint with oil. We pray the prayer of faith, and the, and the Lord shall raise her up. We said, Your word declares that we shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So we, we, we agree with the word of the Lord. The word of God does not return void, but it accomplishes what it's been sent to accomplish. And that is her physical healing in this body. In the name of Jesus Christ, our healer, we lay our hands as believers upon this body. And we declare her recovery, health, and healing in the name of Jesus. Whatever is wrong, Papa, make it right. You're the great physician. We believe in this power to heal this body, to make her well and whole. Jesus' name. And I really feel the Lord here on this too, boy. Uh, amen. Wasn't there some power? Mary Lee. And you don't have to tell her God heal. She knows it. Go ahead, Ivory. Anoint. Yeah. Apostle, anoint her. Pray, Apostle. Father, we thank you today for our dear sister. Thank you for how you have manifested healing yes. in the past and in the present. And we pray in the name of Jesus that your anointed presence will yes. saturate her body yes. now from yes. the crown of her yes. head yes. to the Jesus sole of her feet. Make every whit whole. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your curing and your healing manifestation yes, taking place now. We rejoice in what you're doing now. Yes, and we declare it so. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. Johanna, where are you at, darling? Okay. All right. What's, tell me your uncle's name again. Uh, Tony. Tony, we, we, we pray for Johanna's uncle. Tony, Father, uh, nothing's ever too late for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we declare healing. We've seen cancer eradicated in, even in this house. So we rebuke cancer. We count it an enemy of the cross, an enemy of what you come to do, and that's to give us life and have it abundantly. So in the mighty name of Jesus, Tony, we say what the word says. Be healed, my brother. Be healed, Tony, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I have a, had, I'm going to say it in the Lord's name, I had a tumor growing my brain, and the symptoms of that tumor have since resolved since the doctors have put me on a very specific medication. So I'm just going to lift his name in that healing power. Yes, amen. So let's agree. Father, in Jesus' name, we accept the testimony of health and healing in this body. We rebuke anything that's the opposite of you and life and health. In Jesus' name, whole and well and healed. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Kendra, in Jesus' name. All right, and I, as me and Ivy agree, and we stand here on behalf of Mike Hardy and Marta 
in South Georgia Medical Center right now. We pray for Mike Hardy, Father, in Jesus' name. Uh, this man, Lord, you see him. You've gone through so much. And we thank you for sustaining him. Thank you for uh, his life, for his mind to be sharp, for him able to speak and walk and articulate when he was unable for months to do anything. And we give you praise for that. Now we ask you, Lord, that the healing and the recovery of his body will continue and that he will recover completely and be able to go home and to be with his family, to be with his wife, and to live in Jesus' blessing. In Jesus' name be healed, Mike Hardy. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you guys for praying for these precious people. Uh, anybody else? We're not forgetting you. I just the ones I knew about. Uh, right here. This uh, he's waiting on hip surgery. Father, thank you for healing this body. Thank you, Father, that you have made provision for these things that come upon us in this earth. In Jesus' name, by your stripes, we were and are healed. In Jesus' name, we speak to this body. Bones be made whole in Jesus' name. Restored, recovered in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Robert, who sings on the worship team with us, he let us know yesterday that his dad was diagnosed with stage 3 prostate cancer. And he wanted us to just believe with him and just pray for that healing. Robert, this thing's on the stage. Father, we lift his dad right now. We rebuke this cancer. We counted an enemy of the cross and what Jesus paid for on that cross. By his stripes, we were healed. In Jesus' name, be healed, my brother, of that prostate cancer. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Uh, cousin, he's a doctor, and he treated people in 50 states when COVID was raging. And he's been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And I'm just believing. He's at Anderson right now. And they don't have, they're des designing a treatment for him. Johnny turned to him. And this is your cousin. Yeah. Father, we, we pray for this man that has uh, helped so many others to be healed as a physician. But you're the great physician. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, we lift this man before you now. Lord God, we pray healing in this body. We come against this cancer in Jesus' name. We lift up the word of the Lord against this disease, this awful disease that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You have come that we might have life. By your stripes, he was healed. We, we agree with your word. We speak the word in Jesus' name. Be healed, my brother. Be healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. My Lord, I feel the Lord on that. Amen. 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 Yes. So he did for my arms like five past tremors, but they're still coming back. Okay, both of them? Is it both of them still? Or yeah. just, just it's one? It's not as bad as it was. It's getting better? Amen. Father, we pray healing in this body and these arms, Lord, going to function as you intended them to function when you created them, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we declare health and healing in this body, movement, mobility, all those things without pain. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Just move them in faith, hallelujah. <laughs> just move them in faith. Come on, just move them in faith and just give them God praise for it. Amen, 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 amen. <laughs> amen. Um, this is okay, isn't it? This church family doing stuff? Man, that was so great today. Um, 
And I, I'll just say this in leaving. Man, keep doing what you're doing, darling. Uh, I've watched her grow up, her and Hannah. And uh, But I'm just telling you. And what was the title of that song? Huh? The Lord's Song. Man, that was good. Good words. Perfect timing on that, too, by the way. Uh, the, the, the words of that song was so great and so good. And uh, But just, I know you've done that in a lot of times over a lot of years in a lot of different churches. And uh, But just don't ever uh, discount or marginalize that gift. Uh, I mean, as soon as you hit that stage, girl, every hair on my body went to attention. Did anybody else experience that like I did? Um, and, and, and if that didn't happen, it doesn't mean it wasn't good, but that just made it super good to me. I was like, good gracious here. Uh, that manifested presence, I love to recognize, feel it, sense it, and see it. And, of course, all these other folks, was, uh, it was hitting them simultaneously as it was me. And that's just a wonderful uh, grace on you. And, uh, Kayla, you're just a, a real blessing. And uh, keep, keep doing it, girl, okay? Wherever you go, keep doing it. Amen. All right, uh, go and sin no more. <laughs> go clean up your yards. <laughs> hey, don't forget, Wednesday night.